The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 25, 2023, on the basis of Matthew 9, verse 35 through 10, verse 8. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. If there was one animal that best captures the American spirit, I would say that animal would have to be the maverick. The term maverick comes from the cattle industry, and it's used to describe bulls or cows usually that have no brand. They have no mark to tell you who owns them. They are animals that belong to no one. Of course, in our English language, the term maverick has been used to describe people who are independent, who are strong, who are self-sufficient. And many of our great American heroes are people who we would consider to be mavericks. Inventors, businessmen, explorers, people who went against the grain. Nobody owned them, nobody told them what to do. They did their own thing and they did it their own way. And it's not too hard to see that maverick spirit in the people around us, for better or for worse. You could probably fill in the blank. Don't tell me what to do with... Don't tell me what to do with my body. Don't tell me what I should put in my body. Don't tell me how I should take care of my kids. Don't tell me what I should do in my private life. And you know what answer you would get if you were to tell someone what they should or should not do with any of those things. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? Who are you to judge me? And if we dig a little deeper, we could probably even see this maverick spirit in ourselves. We get a little annoyed when someone tells us what we should or should not do. We get a little angry when someone suggests ways that we could be a better parent, a better spouse, a better coworker, a better friend. We get embarrassed when someone tries to help us. We don't want to be pitied. We want to do things on our own. And I think that drive to do things on our own probably stems from our pride. We like to look at the things that we've accomplished and say, look, I did it with these two hands. I didn't need any handouts. I wasn't born rich. I had to accomplish this on my own through hard work. And look at all the things that I've done. Look at everything I can provide for my family. Look at all the gifts and experiences I can give my children. I did it all myself, and I did it my way. And so we strive to be mavericks, to be independent, to be strong, to be self-sufficient. Well, if you're wondering what animal Jesus sees us as, the Bible tells us over and over again, he calls us sheep. Specifically, in this gospel lesson, he calls us helpless and harassed sheep. I don't know too much about animals, but I do know that sheep have no defense mechanisms. I know that they are not known for their intelligence or their strength. They are not exactly cool animals. In fact, in our English language, if you call someone a sheep, you're really insulting them, right? You are saying that they are gullible, that they are easily influenced, that they need to follow the flock. 
As Jesus himself says, sheep need a shepherd. They need someone to take care of them, to watch over them. But when Jesus calls us sheep, he's really making a spiritual diagnosis of our situation. He's looking past all those things that people see when they look at us. He looks past that face that we put on. He looks past our personas. He looks past all the achievements and the success and the accomplishments. He looks past our spousing and our parenting and our co-workering and our friending. He looks past our independence and our self-sufficiency. And he boils it down to the big questions of life. You might be independent. You might be strong. You might be self-sufficient. But how is that going to help you when it's time to face death? How is that going to help you when your parents face death? How is that going to help you or help your children when they face death? You might be independent and self-sufficient and capable, but how does that make you a good person? How do you really know that you are righteous? You might be independent and capable and self-sufficient. But how does that help you when everything in your life is turned upside down? When that tragedy strikes or that accident happens or that cancer diagnosis comes in? How is that going to help you then? We can be as self-sufficient, as independent as we like. But in the end, there are some things in life that we will never be able to solve on our own. There comes a time when life hits us in the face, when death, when guilt, when tragedy come, and we will be as helpless as sheep to deal with those things. And that's kind of the great irony of the term maverick, is that mavericks aren't named after themselves. They're actually named after their owner. Samuel Maverick was a land baron and politician in Texas in the 1800s, and he made the conscious decision not to brand, not to mark his cattle. But of course, that didn't change the fact that they still belonged to him. Right? These animals looked free, but they still did all the other things that normal cattle would do. They still had to go where the ranchers told them to go. Their whole lives were planned out for them. They still met the same end that branded cattle did at the slaughterhouse. Right? They were animals that looked free, but in reality, they weren't. They were as helpless as sheep. But when Jesus calls us sheep, he's not just pointing out our helplessness. He's pointing to himself as the answer to our helplessness. He's pointing to himself as the shepherd who's take, who takes care of sheep. He doesn't just see us as sheep, but he cares for us like we're sheep. He guides us, he leads us, and he protects us. And in our gospel lesson, Matthew uses one beautiful word to describe the way that Jesus cares for us. And that one word is compassion. Compassion is a word that shows up time and time again in the gospels. It's the word that Luke uses to describe Jesus when he watches a widow bury her only son. His heart goes out to her. It's the word that Jesus uses to describe the good Samaritan as he watches this man lying on the side of the road, helpless and bloody. He has compassion on him. 
It's the word that Jesus uses to describe the father in the story of the prodigal son. As he sees his son coming up over the hill, he has compassion on him. His heart goes out to him. And the word compassion in the Bible has this powerful meaning behind it. It is this sympathy, this love that you feel for someone else, and it comes from deep inside you, from your guts. It's that feeling that a mother has as she watches her child lying helpless on a hospital bed, wires and tubes running out of their small body. She would do anything and everything to trade places with her child. Her heart aches for her child. And that's the way that Jesus is described here as he looks over the crowds. He sees people who are lonely, who are helpless, who are carrying these diseases, coming out to him, and his heart aches for them. He has compassion on them. And that's the same way that God describes his attitude towards us. He sees people who are helpless, who are terrified of death. He sees people who are burdened and hounded by guilt. He sees people who are hopeless as they face suffering and pain in this life. And his heart goes out to them. He aches for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. They have no one to guide them, to take care of them, to watch over them. But the thing about God's compassion is it's more than just a feeling. It's more than just feeling sorry for someone or pity or love for someone else. God's compassion leads him to action. It leads him to do something for us. Jesus sees that widow weeping over her lost son, and his heart is so moved that he raises him up and gives him back to his mother. The good Samaritan sees the man lying on the side of the road, and his heart is so moved that he goes and he rescues the man. He saves the man. The father sees the prodigal son coming up over the edge of the hill, and his heart goes out to him. And he is so moved that he drops everything, and he runs out to meet him. And that's what Jesus does for us. Right? He sees our terror at death, and what does he do? He dies for us that we might live forever. He sees the guilt that burdens us, and so he brings it with him to the cross so that our sins can die with him forever. He sees our pain and our suffering, and so he suffers for us. He suffers with us, and he leaves us with the promise that he will always be with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us no matter how hard life might become. And here in this gospel lesson, Jesus leaves us with one final gift of compassion. He creates workers to take care of us. Jesus looks over the crowd of people who are coming out to be helped by him, and so he turns to the disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, so pray. Pray that God would send workers to take care of these sheep, to take care of his people. And then the very next verse, Jesus turns around and he answers their prayer. And he answers their prayer by sending them, by sending the 12 disciples to do what he did, to raise up the dead, to drive out demons, to heal the sick. And we see how God works here. He sees a need. He sees people who are helpless. And so he gathers and he sends workers to take care of of his people. And that's the same way that God works 
today. He still gathers and sends workers for his people. And he does that through something we call the holy ministry. Through pastors and teachers and missionaries and evangelists. For example, God takes a specific person, a specific man, and he calls him to be a pastor. He guides him and provides for him. He gives him a unique experiences and gifts, a special personality and talents and gifts. And then he sends him to a specific place like Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, to specific people, to a specific church, to specific Christians like you and me. And because that man is sent from God and because he is sent to be a worker, he will do the work that God has sent him to do. He will baptize you and baptize your children. He will help you teach your children and he will confirm them in their faith. He will teach you and confirm you in your faith. He will be there in the joyful moments and in the sad moments. He will be there for you at marriages and at burials, in waiting rooms and hospital beds and at deathbeds. And even though he might not be able to perform miracles like the disciples did, he will carry that same life-giving message that drives out demons, that heals the sick, that brings the dead back to life. He will preach that message to you Sunday after Sunday, day after day, on the good days and on the bad days, when you are joyful and happy and when you are stubborn and sad and alone. Day after day, he will hold out that message to you again and again of God's compassion for you, of Jesus and his love for you. God made the holy ministry for you. God made this pastor for you. And that's really what your pastor is, is he is a reminder of God's compassion, that God will not leave you alone, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he loved you so much that he made this for you. And of course, that doesn't mean that your pastor will be perfect. He's a sheep at the end of the day, just like you and me, in need of God's compassion and love too. It also doesn't mean that our work is done. Just because we have a pastor, we can kick back and relax and know that everything's taken care of. Instead, our prayer is the same as the disciples. We pray that God would use us to share the gospel with our friends, with our neighbors, with our families. We pray that through us, they would see God's compassion. But we also pray that God would send workers into the harvest. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we pray that God might even use some of us, some of our sons and daughters, to do that work of taking care of the lost, of taking care of God's people. Because there is a world out there of people who are looking for a shepherd, who are looking for guidance and care. There is a world right outside of our front doorstep, full of people who have no hope as they suffer, who are burdened by guilt, who are terrified of death. So show them your shepherd. Show them the God who loved you and gave himself up for you, the God who saves you from death and guilt and suffering, the God who gave his son for you, the God who gave you this pastor, who gave you the holy ministry for you.
the God who is full of compassion for you. Amen.